2: Who am I and how am I feeling? I'm Clive Owen and I'm feeling great, thanks. How about you? You feeling happy? A little angry? People have so many feelings, millions of them. But what if businesses could really understand all of those feelings and then act on them to make their customers feel better? It's a thing. It's SAP experience management and it's here. Because the future of business has feelings. And I've got a feeling we're all going to like it. Go to sap.com/slash XM to learn more. You are listening to Rotoviz Radio, a fantasy football podcast, with your host, Matthew Friedman.
1: Hey everyone, I'm Matt Friedman, Matt at the Oracle of the Action Network in Rotoviz. Welcome to a special edition of Rotoviz Radio. Today we are talking about the Chicago Bears. In between the NFL Combine and the draft, I'm interviewing beat reporters for every franchise, 32 teams, 32 beat writers, and 32 episodes. We are covering team needs, free agency, draft rumors, basically everything between now and day one of the draft. For this episode, I'm joined by Patrick Finley of the Chicago Sun-Times, where he is a beat writer for the Chicago Bears. In this episode, he talks with us about the transition from head coach John Fox to Matt Nagy the team's desire to surround quarterback Mitchell Trubisky with complimentary weapons, and the Bears' plans for their first-round pick. Before we get to the guest, I'd like to remind you that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Road NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage, roadofhis.com podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the premium NFL content on the site, and it supports the pod. All right, let's get to the guest. Please welcome to the show, Patrick Finley of the Chicago Sun-Times. You can follow him on Twitter at Patrick Finley, where he provides up-to-the-minute news on everything to do with the Chicago Bears. Patrick, thanks for taking the time to talk with us. Hey, sure thanks. Uh, let's jump into it. It has been a pretty uh, momentous offseason with the departure of John Fox and then the addition of a new head coach. I think what everyone wants to know is how do we pronounce his name? Is it Matt Nagy or Nagy? <laughs> Because I've heard both, and I, it, it seems as if he's been pretty ambivalent about which one it is. This is a pet peeve of mine. On the day he was introduced,
3: uh, I, I asked him personally off to the side how he said it, and he said it Neggy, as in leggy, um, uh, N E G G Y, was how I heard it. Uh, the Bears, in their official pronunciation guide, have said Naggy, and I suspect it's because they like the hashtag swaggy naggy. And uh, that is not something that I'm going to get into. I roll my eyes uh, every time I hear something like that. Uh, so, you know, the people from his corner uh, of Pennsylvania certainly say it, Nagy. Um, that's how I'm going to say it. Uh, that's how he prefers it. But, uh, you know, it's. Uh, I'm guessing you're going to hear it both ways here for a long time. And if you know anything about Chicago people, uh they don't necessarily put a big uh, uh input, emphasis on uh how names are pronounced uh, people have been calling uh, the quarterback Mitch Trubinsky uh for uh, a good year now
1: well um, basically that that's all i wanted to know that's the show but uh since i have <laughs> you here all right, thanks. <laughs> yeah, since i have you here uh it, it's interesting so you know john fox uh you know kind of made his bones uh, with the Carolina Panthers, had some success uh, with the, the Denver Broncos. Um, but, you know, my sense, kind of like the outsider sense, was that there was never a lot of enthusiasm for him in Chicago. What has been the sense with Matt Nagy and then uh, Mark Helfrich as the offensive coordinator of these guys entering the building? Is there kind of more enthusiasm for them than there was for the previous regime?
3: Yeah, I think there's enthusiasm uh, because Ryan Pace, the general manager, has his feet underneath him. I mean, remember that he hired John Fox about a week after he took the job. And, and I'll say this about Fox. At the time, I think it made perfect sense. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, they were going from uh, Mark Trestman, who had never been a head coach before, uh, who had lost the locker room. It had turned into a circus by the end. Brandon Marshall and Martellus Bennett uh, were popping off uh, at all times. So it, at the time, hiring somebody who – you know, who had experience running a professional locker room, somebody who was well-known and well-liked around the league uh, made sense. And, and, you know, just look at the coordinators that he hired, uh, you know, at the time Uh, Adam Gase turned out to be pretty good and Vic Fangio is still here. So, you know, Fox's connections and Fox's personality, I think was what the bears needed at the time, but I think it was clear um, as year one turned into year two that uh, the bears needed some offensive creativity that, that left the building when Adam Gase went to Miami. They also needed the quarterback, and that is something that they have now uh, with Mitch Trubisky, but also with uh, Matt Nagy and, uh, to a lesser extent, uh, Mark Helfrich. You know, you look at, at what Mark did uh, on staff, on Chip Kelly's staff with the Ducks, and as the head coach at Oregon, um, and you know it was some futuristic stuff at the time, and, and he sh- certainly deserves credit. Uh, for a lot of that, but at least here in Chicago, he's not going to be the one calling plays. Um, He is going to be, you know, the guy running meetings when neggy has got other stuff to do. And, you know, it'll be curious to see, you know, what sort of elements of that blur offense that Chip Kelly ran uh, that kind of, you know, uh, find their way into the Bears offense. But uh, this is going to be Nagy's show. When you look at what the Bears offense uh, will probably be like, Um, you're far better off looking at what the Chiefs did last year than you are looking at uh, Oregon film from a couple of years back.
1: All right. Well, Ryan Pace, the journal manager has been active this year in free agency. And he recently wrote a piece about the, uh, on the bears, the winners and the losers of this first phase of free agency. One of those uh, certainly seems to be Mitch Trubisky in that he has gotten a wealth of weapons uh, at the receiver position. The team added Allen Robinson, added Taylor Gabriel. uh, They added the receiving tight end, Trey Burton. What are your thoughts on how this offense will look and what we could expect to see from Mitch Trubisky moving forward?
3: It'll look a lot different than what they did in the past. I think you'll see Trey Burton split out wide or or even in the slot. Uh, He'll move around. Um, as, you know, more than, you know, we call him a move tight end, but in Eggie's system, it's more than just that. I I think it's trying to highlight his skills out in space. That is something the Bears never really did, uh, you know, under Dal Loggins, their previous offensive coordinator. Robinson, if he's healthy, uh, you know, it appears like, you know, he will be just fine. Um, You know, turns into that number one receiver that the Bears were missing last year after Alshon Jeffrey left. Um, I'm not sure that all of these additions, you know, turn the bears into any sort of offensive juggernaut. But, you know, I would argue to you that last year they're receiving options, whether it was a running back, uh, a wide receiver or a tight end, you know, the, the, the combination of all those three positions might've been the worst in the, um, you know, Tariq Cohen might've been uh, the most interesting receiver that they had. And he was a running back. You know, you look at somebody like Kendall Wright, who's just, you know, a, a, you know, middle of the road, middle of the road, slot receiver, he led them in targets, catches, and receiving yards, and I think those receiving yards were only 500 or so. So uh, the Bears have made a giant leap in bringing in these new guys, but the fact is, is that you know they have a lot of room to grow if we're using last year as the baseline.
1: You mentioned uh, Tariq Cohen there, and I'm I'm interested in this backfield in particular. So one, uh, Jordan Howard. Do you still see him as a featured back, someone who will be getting the ball, you know, 15 to 20 times per game? And then Tariq Cohen, uh, you know, reportedly uh, there's the possibility that he could be used in a sort of Tyreek Hill type of role. How do you see those guys being used?
3: I I don't know. I think Gabriel might be closer to Tyreek Hill, Um, you know, when you look at, at what Gabriel's done over the years. Uh, you know, he's a little, really fast guy, but he's not, you know, he's not a slot receiver. He he didn't play a whole lot of slot in Atlanta. That was actually Muhammad Sanu who did that. So, yeah, I think he might uh, play the Tyreek Hill role there. As for Howard, yeah, I mean, he's going to be the featured back. You know, if you want to pick apart, you know, his skill set, you know, he, he doesn't have great hands. Uh, you know, he infam- he infamously dropped a ball at the pylon, Uh, at the end of the Bears' uh, week one game last year that uh, would have won them, uh, the game against the Atlanta Falcons. Um, You know, know, he had had off-season LASIK surgery, thinking that that might help his pass catching, and and quite honestly, it didn't. Uh, So, yeah, so you wonder in this Nagy system uh, whether there's going to be somewhat of a priority put on being able to catch the football. Uh, If so, maybe that gets Howard off the field uh, you know, in certain situations. But if you look at the guys on this roster who are going to carry the ball, uh, you know, it's, it's Jordan Howard and then a big gap before the next closest guy. Um, you know, as for Cohen, Cohen was really fun and really exciting, but I'm not sure you can hand the ball to him, uh, you know, 10 times a game and expect good things to happen. He's probably more of a gadget player who you can use in screens, who you can use split out wide. Uh, he's not your prototypical running back. And that's okay. I think it's to the Bears' credit, uh, last year even, that they didn't try to get him to do things uh, that he wasn't any good at. I mean, it would have been tempting to turn around and and pitch him the ball 15 times a game, and they didn't do that. Uh, I'm imagining that Nagy will put him in a position to succeed and will probably be a little more creative, uh, but I don't think they're going to pound the football with him by any stretch.
1: When training camp started last year, uh Just looking at the wide receiver group, you would assume that the the two guys who were going to be at the top of the depth chart were Cameron Meredith and Kevin White, and neither of those guys really saw action i th- I think Kevin White maybe played a game or a couple of games, but Meredith missed the season he played the
3: first game and he didn't fi- yeah he played game one and he didn't fin- and he didn't finish it and <laughs> I think kevin white has kevin white i believe has finished five n f l games in three seasons it might be four. Uh, Yeah, Cam Meredith, as you mentioned, uh, tore his ACL in the third preseason game. Uh, Kevin White broke his shoulder blade in that opener. Uh, Neither of them uh, played the rest of the year, obviously. Uh, So these are are two guys who are coming back. Uh, The Bears aren't going to pick up Kevin White's fifth-year option, so this is a one-year prove-it deal for him, provided that he makes the team. And and when you look at Meredith, Meredith, uh, a restricted free agent, he's actually taken a couple of trips. Uh, to, what, Indianapolis, New Orleans, and Baltimore, but there's nothing uh, nothing set and sewn uh, with an offer or anything uh, yet. If, if he comes back, he'll play uh, on a one-year deal, and I think he could be really good uh, in this system. I, I, I like him. He was the Bears' leading receiver two years ago. He has the flexibility uh, to play not only the slot but outside um, I, I think that uh, he could get make himself a lot of money if if he came and was integrated uh, into the Neggy system. As for Kevin White, I, I think the Bears are just looking at him as as though I don't think that they can count on him to do anything. Uh, but that anything he he can give them this year is just gravy, uh, and, and that's a pretty amazing statement, you know, given that he was a top ten pick, you know, four years ago.
1: So the team added trait, Burton. Deion Sims is there. What, if anything, should we expect from last year's second-round tight end, Adam Shaheen?
3: I think you should expect him to be pretty active in the passing game. Uh, you know, Deion Sims is the blocker. You know, when they brought him in last year, they they went out of their way to say that they wanted to expand his role uh, into uh, more of a pass catcher, but that's not what his skill set is. Uh, Shaheen, you've got some matchup uh some so matchup things there that you really would like to exploit. He's, I mean, he's six seven two, you know, fifty five. I mean, he's Aaron Judge. Uh, you know, in height and weight, he's Aaron Judge. He's a big guy, and, and he is super athletic. Somebody who came up playing uh, basketball before he switched to uh, football at Ashland uh, University. This is though at a Division three team, so it, it took him most of the season to get caught up to the speed of the NFL game. It's a giant jump um, from. Uh, college where he was playing. Um, And then he got hurt the last couple of games of the year. Uh, I I think Shaheen is probably a sneaky pick um, to maybe not set the world on fire, but, but to make a a big leap, Uh, you know, you can imagine a scenario where they have Burton and Shaheen on the field at the same time. Uh, And if so, uh, I imagine uh, Shaheen would get the lesser of the two defenders on him. And uh, you know, if you're looking for touchdowns, uh, he could turn into a red zone target for sure. Especially when we're talking about, you know, Taylor Gabriel at five eight is probably not going to be getting the ball thrown to him, you know, from the ten yard line. Uh, but uh, some of these big tight ends might. You
1: know, just looking at, at all of the weapons on the team, is there is there enough to go around for any of these guys really to become a, a dominant player, or is the pie going to be split fairly evenly? I, I, Allen
3: Robinson would be the one that I would that I would jump on. Uh, you know, the Bears didn't bring him here to be a third receiver. Uh, I think he is going to be Trubisky's uh, best friend here. But but one of the things that not a lot of people want to talk about now, because there is this excitement about the new weapons here, is that, you know, Mitch has still got to learn, you know, his third different offense in three years. Mitch has got to, you know, find a familiarity with receivers. Uh, literally, I, I think uh, every healthy receiver they had on their roster at the end of last year is probably not going to be on the team this year. So that is a, a a whole new series of uh, introductions and comfort level and figuring out where they like the ball. Um, you know, and Trubisky's only in his second year here. And, you know, this guy who started 13 games in college. So you know, maybe the biggest impediment to being an offensive juggernaut uh, is Trubisky himself, just just picking up what uh, he has to learn here and applying it fast enough to count, you know, by the end of the year, I'm thinking that he's going to be a much better quarterback than he is at the beginning of the year. Uh, but, uh, when that uh, switch gets flipped, I don't know whether it will be soon enough to make a, a giant impact statistically scoring wise or otherwise.
1: So uh, looking at the offensive line, uh, how do you think, uh, it, it looks, Heading into this season, and just to put some context on this, you recently did a mock draft, and I believe with the eighth pick, you had the team selecting Quentin Nelson, guard from Notre Dame. Uh, So guard doesn't seem to be a huge need for this team, but at the same time, Nelson, if he's available at eight, he's a great player, You know, maybe one of the top two, three players in the draft. He provides value there. So what are your thoughts in general with this offensive line, and is the team looking to upgrade it in the draft?
3: Yeah, I, I personally think Nelson might be the best player in the draft, and, and if he's not number one, he's number two behind Saquon Barkley. Uh, that doesn't mean that uh, that the Bears agree necessarily. Um, uh, obviously, uh, we don't get invited into their uh, into their meetings, but if he was there at eight, I think that the value is tremendous, as you said. Uh, the Bears actually do have a need for an interior lineman. Uh, Josh Sitton was uh, a guard of theirs who they decided not to pick up Uh, His option on this upcoming year, it would have paid him $7 million. They let him go, and he signed with Miami. Uh, Because of that, uh, the Bears have a hole that they really haven't filled. Right now, you're looking at somebody like Eric Cush, who's kind of a a lifelong backup uh, who could play there. Uh, The Bears might be in the market for a veteran. In fact, I think they'll end up with some uh, kind of low-level veteran uh, for stability there, but that could be either at center or at guard because uh, you can bring in a center and move Cody Whitehair uh, to guard, uh, which is something the Bears uh, are considering. Uh, the other guard position there is Kyle Long. He's coming off of two offseason surgeries. Uh, he's really had a rough go of it the last couple of years, from a health point of view. But when he's healthy, he's their best lineman. You know, when he's healthy, he might be their best player. Period. So if he can stay healthy, um, my God, you know, I, you know, if you if you could pair him with Whitehair at center and with Quentin Nelson at the other guard position. I would argue to you that that's uh, one of the great interior lines in football, um, and a unit that could play together for years to come. And uh, I think that's a great starting point. It, you know, if you built your pre your, I'm sorry, if you built your off-season plan around Mitch Trubisky, which it's clear the Bears have, and bringing in weapons, and even you know bringing in backup quarterbacks, two different guys, Tyler Bray and Chase Daniel, who have played in Nagy's system. So you know you've, you're trying to build this cocoon around Mitch to get him to learn the system. And once he's learned it, uh, giving him the weapons to succeed, uh, I think that drafting somebody to protect him falls into that um, game plan perfectly. Uh, and that, that's somebody I would certainly consider.
1: Historically, when the Bears have been at their best, just kind of, you know, like through the decades, they have had really strong defenses. Uh, what is your thought on the state of the defense right now and what they will be looking to do to improve it in the draft?
3: I think that it's uh, in a good solid place for the first time since lovey Smith left, Uh, you know, one of the interesting parts about bringing in Nagy and bringing him in as soon as they did. I mean, he was the first, uh, or he was hired, what, eight days after they fired John Fox or seven days. That's uh, you know, by doing that, that gave them first crack at building a staff and rather than go out and tear down the defense, they kept every defensive coach. That's a big fan show. They gave him a big money deal to stick around and all of his lieutenants stayed too. Uh, they did that because they think that they're building a pretty good defense here. Um, Akeem Hicks, uh, the defensive end uh, was probably their best player last season. Uh, you know, Danny Treveson is solid. They re-signed Prince of Mucamera and Kyle Fuller. Uh, so they think they have some pieces here to be a top half defense, maybe a top third defense. Uh, what are they going to do in the draft to make that better? They need a pass rusher. I mean, get in line. Everybody in the league needs a pass rusher, but they certainly need one right now. Aaron Lynch is probably the um, uh, their starting uh, outside linebacker opposite Leonard Floyd. Uh, that's not ideal, I don't think. Um, so I could see them taking a look at, you know, Tremaine Edmonds, if he's there at number eight. I could see them, you know, looking to see what it would cost to move up and, and get Bradley Chubb. Um, you know, that would round out their defense pretty well. If not, uh, you, know, you know, there are corners out there. Minka Make Fitzpatrick makes a ton of sense. Um, it, you know, he can play that hybrid safety corner position. But, you know, right now this is a solid defense that, you know, probably could use a, a couple of young players, uh, whether it's on day one or day two, uh, to help them. Uh, but, you know, they're not reinventing the wheel here. Spinach. And, you know, after a couple of years in. of struggles under uh, Vic Fangio and Injection. some really historically bad defenses, under Mark Trestman, uh, that's certainly in progress.
1: In the, the the second and third rounds of the draft, does it seem as if they're going to be attacking the defensive side of the ball? Or is there still kind of room for, like, best player available? Or, you know, do they have clear sort of needs that they're thinking, this is where we're, we're hoping to, uh, to find some value on day two?
3: They could use another defensive end, although they cycled them through uh, frequently enough that, that I, I think they could live with what they have currently. Uh, they could use maybe an inside linebacker to challenge Nick Kwiatkowski opposite uh, Danny Trevathan. uh And they could use uh, another DB. Uh, you know, I could see them uh, attacking those positions on day two. But, you know, Ryan Pace's strategy during free agency has always been this, that, you know, he tries to build the most even Team he can across the positions that way when it comes to the draft, he's not beholden to any one group uh, that way he can just go get who he thinks is the best player without necessarily worrying about having this big gaping hole on their team um, so that's that's what they've accomplished here uh, yeah, no, I, I could see them going you know defense defense on in picks one and two, I could see them going uh, with Quentin Nelson uh, and then a defensive player. Uh, one thing I can't see is it, I, I believe that Quentin Nelson's the only offensive player uh, the Bears would probably consider at number eight, unless Saquon Barkley somehow fell, uh, and then that's a whole different discussion. But uh, beyond that, I, I think the Bears are going to focus on you know the guys who block for Mitch and the guys who try to get the ball back for Mitch uh, on the defensive side.
1: All right, Patrick, this has been a lot of fun. One final question here. Uh, when you've been looking at any of the the prospects and, and kind of thinking about them, like, could this guy be a bear? Are there any guys who stand out as kind of quote unquote, like bear type of, of players that you could really see fitting in? Well, I, I hate to bring
3: this back to Nelson, but uh, but it is certainly worth noting this. Uh, Harry stand was Nelson's uh, offensive line coach at Notre Dame. He was his mentor, uh, both in football and, it seems, in life. Uh, he is the reason, you know, Nelson has said this, and Mike McGlinchey, uh, who's a, a right tackle, who's probably going to go in the late first, early second round. They both said this, that he uh, he is the reason why they are where they are today. Um, the first hire that Matt Nagy made um, when he got to Chicago was taking Harry Houston from Notre Dame and making him the Bears offensive line coach. Um, I don't think it's so simple that we can sit there and say, well, he coached Nelson, so they're going to draft Nelson. But I will tell you this, that, you know, there is nobody on the planet who has a better idea of what Nelson can do than Harry. He stand. And Harry is in their building. Um, to me uh, that makes him a pretty great fit uh, on the bears. If he is still there. And uh, that is, I, I think the most direct, <laughs> the, the most direct following, uh, the money or, you know, following the trend uh, sort of argument I could make for anybody in the draft is that, um, you know, it, he knows exactly how good Nelson is and how good he can be. And if he has a say in who they draft, I imagine he will stand up on the table and lobby for him. So in that sense, I think Nelson is uh, very much a Bears player.
1: All right, uh, Pat, this was fantastic. Thanks for your insight. And we hope to talk with you again as we get closer to the season. That
3: sounds great. Thank you so much.
1: We just finished speaking with Patrick Finley, a Bears beat writer for the Chicago Sun-Times. We covered a lot. Here are some of the thoughts I have on the conversation. The transition from head coach John Fox to Matt Nagy, uh i think it's going to be a good one last year the bears averaged 16 and a half points per game that was 29th in the league and it honestly felt a lot worse than that uh john fox has struck me for years as being a fairly antiquated coach and i think matt nagy is pretty much the opposite of that in the chiefs five games with nagy as play caller they averaged 28.6 points per game in the playoffs, they had something of a letdown with just 21 points per game, but Travis Kelsey was injured, and that changed the entire offense. On the whole, I think that Nagy really uh, showed a lot in the the short sample, the small sample. Um, so, you know, there might be room for pessimism or caution, given that he's had only six games of NFL experience as a play caller. But uh, Andy Reid has been very complimentary of him. Has called him, uh, you know, the best head coaching candidate he's ever had underneath him, and that includes a lot of pretty successful head coaches. Uh, so I think there's room for optimism with Nagy. Um You know, he was a college quarterback at Delaware. He spent time uh, about five years in the Arena League as a quarterback, and then he became a coaching intern for the Eagles in 2008, and then from there he spent the next decade with Andy Reid. Working his way up the ladder, starting as an intern, then assistant quality control coach, quarterbacks coach in Kansas City under Doug Peterson, and then he replaced Peterson as the offensive coordinator when he left for Philadelphia. He's had a lot of time to learn, not just from Andy Reid, but from Doug Peterson. Uh, so I think there's you know I think there's room for for cautious optimism. Uh, the hiring of Mark Helfrich. It strikes me as a forward-looking, risk-seeking, outside-the-box move uh, for a team that has had very little to be excited about for, you know, almost a decade. I think that's a good thing. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe with the addition of Helfrich, Nagy can get some of the best of what Chip Kelly had to offer the NFL. Uh, he can get some of those college concepts, uh, but maybe without some of the negative stuff that Chip Kelly brought. You know, maybe he can incorporate the college game into the pro style game in a way that works for his second year quarterback. So I think it's a great hire, even if it doesn't work out. I think the process that led to Nagy is a good process. He's the type of candidate that team should be looking to hire when they need coaches. You know, I don't know if Trubisky is going to be an NFL success. I think that is going to be for better or worse, how Nagy is defined. Uh, He's going to be tied to a guy he didn't draft. Um, You know, so We really don't know if Trubisky is the the type of guy who can succeed in general, and then we really don't know if he is the type of guy Nagy would have wanted for his system. But if Nagy's a good coach, he should be able to adapt his system in a way that fits Trubisky. Uh, And I think Nagy's a good coach. You know, From the little that we've seen, it seems as if he's a good coach. Uh, you know, so I I mean, with Trubisky, I think it's dangerous to invest so much in a guy who started just one season in college, but I think at a minimum having Nagy improves Trubisky's odds of success. I think in the end, that is what any head coaching hire should be geared towards, uh, towards improving the odds of success that the franchise quarterback will have because the team basically goes as the franchise quarterback goes, Um, and based on the team's free agent moves, you know, you can see that they very much want Trubisky, uh, to have every opportunity to succeed. They've surrounded him with complementary weapons and a variety of weapons. They have the big bodied, complete alpha receiver in Allen Robinson. They have the speedy guy, uh, who can move around the formation in Taylor Gabriel. They have the versatile and athletic move tight end in Trey Burton. You know, they did uh catchers than I thought you know would be the case than I thought was probable. Uh you know they really did as much as they could for Trubisky uh through free agency. As Patrick mentioned uh, mentioned Trubisky is learning a new system and he has no familiarity whatsoever with these receivers. So those are negatives. Uh but they have to be better. You know, I think you would rather take uh, the lack of familiarity with better receivers than familiarity with horrible receivers Uh, so even though he's not familiar with the receivers it has to be better the situation for him has to be better than it was last year given the guys he now has to throw to and if the team is able to get something from Cameron Meredith who had a very good 2016 season um, that was his second year in the league undrafted free agent good athletic measurables Uh, You know, former college quarterback converting to wide receiver. I think that was really only his third or fourth year since converting. Um, So a lot of upside there with Cameron Meredith. Uh, You know, good 2016 season. I think if he hadn't been injured, 2017 was going to be massive for him. Maybe the team can get something from Kevin White, although (laughs) that seems unlikely. Uh, Maybe something from Adam Shaheen. You know, a big tight end with a lot of pass catching ability. He played at a small school, but he was a massive producer. He's raw, but he he could be a top five tight end. Maybe not this year, but at some point. He has, he has that possibility of success in his range of outcomes. And if there is a coach who can scheme to get that type of success from him, I think it would be a guy who spent the last five years with Travis Kelsey. Right? I, I think you just look at the unit and the pieces they have, you don't necessarily know where all of the production is going to come from, but there is a lot of upside with this unit, and that obviously starts with Allen Robinson. People know that in 2015 he was great, um, very clearly, a dominant season. You know that season, one of the best receivers in the league. People they know that they remember the fantasy production, but I don't think though that people appreciate just how special Robinson's second season was. He was just 22 years old, and he was one of the best receivers in the league. It is very rare for a guy that young to be that dominant. 1,400 yards and 14 touchdowns. Just to put some context to this, before him, here are the five guys to have 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns receiving in a season by the age of 22 uh, over the last 20 years. So before that there were a few guys to do it, uh, Billy Houghton, Harlan Hill, and John Jefferson. All of those guys were multiple all pro players. Um, but the game is different now, you know, so just looking in the recent past of the last 20 years. And by the way, all this information is available, uh, at pro football reference. I believe though, you could also find this if you wanted through the Rotoviz app, um, not the Game Splits app, but the massive app at RotoViz. Here are the guys Randy Moss, Larry Fitzgerald, Hakeem Nix, Mike Evans, and Odell Beckham Jr. And again, you can find that at the RotoViz screener. So uh, that's an amazing group. Randy Moss, Fitz, Hakeem Nix, Mike Evans, Odell Beckham Jr. That's like a, a Hall of Fame type of group. You know, Moss and Fitzgerald, they're Hall of Famers. Evans and Odell Beckham are on that trajectory. Nix is the one guy who is derailed by injuries. And uh, so a couple of thoughts. One, if he is the worst guy in a group, that's a really good group. And then two, I mean, the injuries, that's the question with Allen Robinson. Coming off the ACL injury, uh, you have to wonder, is he going to be able to regain the form that he showed in 2015? You know, Because 2016 was a down year for him, and then he missed all of 2017. I think it's definitely worth taking the risk with him. He's still young. He could be a big time producer for another half decade. And then, you know, another guy returning from an ACL, Cam Meredith, man, I mean, he was super productive inside and outside. He played in the slot. He produced, they moved him out wide and he produced. Um, If he's able to recover, he and Robinson really could be a second coming of Braden Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey. It sounds crazy to say that, but it's possible that it's within the range of outcomes. And then you have Tariq Cohen. And I think he obviously showed last year as a rookie he could be a great pass catching weapon uh, coming out of the backfield. I think uh, he could be even better this year. You know, one guy who I think probably doesn't get nearly as much credit as he should is Jordan Howard. Uh, people don't appreciate how good he has been. And part of it is that uh, it's twofold one, he's been playing on a horrible team. Uh, and then two, he is he is limited, you know, and he has had moments where he's made mistakes or he hasn't, you know, delivered, uh, delivered the type of production people were expecting from him. Uh, but all that said, he's, through two years in his career, been very good. Uh, not just for a fifth-round pick, although he's been especially good for a fifth-round pick, but he's just been good in general. In the first two years of his career, Howard has had 2,858 scrimmage yards and 16 touchdowns. To put some context to those numbers, Um, not many running backs in NFL history have been more productive in terms of scrimmage yards and touchdowns through their first two seasons. Most of the guys who have been more productive were selected in the first round, many of them with top 10 picks. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to read to you the list because, you know, whatever. I mean, I, I have time to read you know, 25 names to you. Um, And the thing is, it is an impressive list. So uh, most recent to, uh, you know, first guy ever to do this. Ezekiel Elliott, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, Eddie Lacy, Alfred Morris, Matt Forte, Chris Johnson, Adrian Peterson, Dominic Williams, Clinton Portis, LaDainian Tomlinson, Edron James, Terrell Davis, Curtis Martin, Marshall Falk, Emmett Smith, Barry Sanders, Herschel Walker, Eric Dickerson, Joe Cribbs, Billy Sims, Otis Anderson, Earl Campbell, Tony Dorsett, and the original Bears running back, Gail Sayers. That's a pretty incredible list. Uh, Howard hasn't been an elite producer, but he's been pretty darn, pretty darn close. He's been near elite. 10 of the 25 guys I just mentioned are Hall of Famers. Howard probably won't be a Hall of Famer he's probably more likely to be, you know, like the Alfred Morris equivalent on that list, right? That's still pretty good, right? To be on that list, you have had to have been a productive player for the first two two years of your career, right? So uh, there's a lot of potential there with Jordan Howard. So you just look at all of the players now that this team has. For a team that last year was lucky to win five games or unlucky because they could have used a better draft pick, Uh, But for a a team that last year really did not look like a good team on offense, there is a lot of potential here on defense the the team could stand to make some upgrades basically at every position. Uh, And that's not to say the defense is, is bad. It's getting better. Um, But if it could have another solid year of drafting and developing, it could be a top 10 unit. Um, Ian Harditz, uh, one of the NFL writers at fantasy labs, has a, uh, a team needs series in which he looks at all the teams and uh, looks at the, the needs that they have. And uh, they, you know, so looking at his piece, the Bears need cornerbacks. They need help on the defensive line, and they need linebackers, which, like, that's the entire defense. Um, but that's not to say that the defense is bad. It's just that there's, there's room for improvement at every position, on the defense. And if they are able to have another solid draft, then the defense will be that much better. Um, you know, but Nagy is an offensive coach. Uh and, you know, I mean, as weird as it seems to say, the the team doesn't seem to need all that much on offense. Uh, but it seems as if, you know, you have an offensive coach, you have a quarterback entering his second year, you have a top ten pick. It would be cool to get an offensive player to, uh, you know, to help out your coach and to help out your quarterback. Uh, And, I mean, you know, Patrick hit on it. It seems like the guy for that would be Quentin Nelson, you know, the dominant guard from Notre Dame who could be playing with his offensive line coach. That would be pretty cool. Uh, And in Patrick's mock draft, he had Quentin Nelson uh, falling to the Bears at eight. In the most recent mock draft I've done at Fantasy Labs, I have Quentin Nelson going to the Bears at eight. Um, earlier uh, before free agency, I had them going with a wide receiver, but they addressed that position. Um, You know, cornerback and defensive line, uh, you know, that's possible. Um, But out of this group of players, Bradley Chubb, Derwin James, Minka Fitzpatrick, Quentin Nelson, one of those four guys is highly likely to fall to the bears at eight. Right. I think they will have three quarterbacks, Maybe four go in the top five, top six, and Saquon Barkley. So, someone Bradley Chubb, Derwin James, Minka Fitzpatrick, Quentin Nelson one of those players will be there. Right? They could probably even trade down a couple of spots and still get one of those players. And that doesn't even think about Roquan Smith, who is an option. Right? The team needs some linebacking help, he would be great. So, it's hard to imagine. Uh, if you just look at, if you take out Quentin Nelson, who is definitely an option, but if he's not there and Chubb probably won't be there, but Derwin James, Minka Fitzpatrick, Roquan Smith, one of those guys will be there. It's hard to imagine a defensive player available at eight who wouldn't fit well with the team, you know, and then second round, you know, at the top of the second round, they have the seventh pick in the second round, a pretty good defensive tackle could be there. You know, there are a few of those guys in this class. You know, uh, Vita Veo won't be there. But you never know. Deron Payne might be there. Maurice Hurst might be there for Michigan. Taven Bryan might be there. I bet one of those guys is there. And so if they are looking for defensive help, looking for some help on the defensive line, that would be a pretty a pretty shrewd, uh, shrewd pick there. So, you know, the future is bright. This is a team that amazingly doesn't have a lot of glaring needs and they they are positioned to be able to get two players who could help them. So yeah, amazingly, a team that went 5-11 and 11 last year and had one of the least inventive coaches in the league, things look kind of up for that team. So, uh, you know, I can't believe I'm saying this, but maybe whenever uh, the the team win totals are released, I might be looking... Uh, at that pretty hard, and I might take the over. And that's going to do it for this Bears-focused special edition of Road of His Radio. Be sure to check out the episodes for all the other teams on Road of His in the podcast feed. I'm Matt Friedman, Matt F. The Oracle. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to this special edition of Road of His Radio, the flagship Road of His podcast. Special thanks to Hassan Rahim, the producer for this episode, and to Colin Kelly, the assistant executive producer for the podcast channel. Please review the show on iTunes under the Rhodoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rodoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotaviz.com podcast. We see the news that teen vaping's on the rise, but teens see something else. Internet videos that talk up fun flavors and downplay the dangers of nicotine. How can parents talk so kids will listen? Use facts. One, nicotine can rewire teens' brains. Two, it can make kids more anxious. Three, changes to the brain can be permanent. So even when it tastes like candy, nicotine is brain poison. Go to flavorshookkids.org for more.
0: They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop, and as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment